But a lot of times, you know, if you're running your own business or you're you're an executive in the corporate world or a leader in the corporate world, and you're saying that you actually are undermining your own power by apologizing for using authority that is yours to use. So, you know, just saying to yourself, apologizing for me. using authority that is yours to use. Ooh, what authority is mine to use? Whatever you can get away with. <laughs> Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the fabulous Terry McDougall. Terry Boyle McDougall is an executive and career coach and the CEO of Terry B. McDougall Coaching. She helps high-achieving professionals remove obstacles that keep them stuck so they can enjoy more success and satisfaction in their lives and careers. Before becoming a coach, Terry was a longtime corporate marketing executive where she led teams, developed strategies, and advised senior leaders to drive business results. Terry is the author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. She is also the host of the Marketing Mambo podcast. Terry, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? They need to identify and start using their leverage points. And what I mean by that is that we all have long to-do lists. And a lot of times we will zero in on whatever's at the top of the to-do list or um, whatever we like to do the most instead of saying, okay, I'm going to step back and look at where am I going to get the most leverage out of the investment of my time, energy, and resources. And the leverage points that I, um, you know, actually, I work with people that are in the corporate world. And I also work with people who are business owners. And I, I tell them like, okay, first of all, let's start with prioritization. What are your priorities? Are you investing in the things that are most important to the operation of your business? Are you investing your time and energy in the things that only you can do? And if you're not, why not? Um, One of the other leverage points is learning how to delegate. And that means when you're looking at that to-do list and you're saying, wow, this this really needs to be done, this is important, Um, And I'm just going to do it because it's faster. It's just faster for me to do it. You know what? You've got to wean yourself off of that habit. And you've got to look and say, you know what? I've got higher value work that only I can do. So who can do this other work? Even if it takes them two or three times as long, very likely that's still cheaper to have them do it than to have you do it. And, you know, I want to take a step back because I know probably a lot of your listeners are 
solopreneurs like I am. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't delegate. You know, there are virtual assistants. There are people that can be hired on a project basis. There's, um, you know, Fiverr and Upwork where we can go out and find people that specialize in, you know, doing stuff like setting up our landing page, yeah. right? I mean, that's that's something that I, I'll just admit, you know, that's something that I've had in the back of my mind that, you know, oh, you really got to like set up these landing pages. You've got to figure out what your, um, you know, um, lead journey looks like. That's stressful to me. I am not an expert in that area. I'm a coach and I need to be coaching. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce the amount of learning curves in my life, not get on to more of them. Exactly. Exactly. And I do, you know, personally, um, I like learning and I like exploring new things. So in some ways I have to hold myself back, you know, I have to pull myself back from the you know edge of the cliff. Um, cause it's really easy to be like, oh, that would be interesting, right. but you know, I'm running a business because I want the business to be profitable, you know, so I can pay my mortgage and buy my groceries and send my kids to college. Um, and you know, just having fun learning when it's not going to help me make more money is not helpful. And it frees up space in the rest of your life. It saves some of that fun learning feeling for things outside of work. Like you know, a hobby or a language or a skill that has nothing to do with work because I totally hear you. I am the nerdiest person when it comes to sales and marketing. I read 138, I think, sales books in a year when I was first starting oh my to sales. I wow. fucking loved it, but it was revenue generating for me because I was mm -hmm. beginning to teach sales. Now, every time there's a new book out, I want to read it oh, I just get so mired in it. But then when I sit down to read a novel, I don't have any reading energy left. So I love that idea of like, just because you're a lifetime learner and someone who loves learning, that doesn't mean you always have to be the vanguard of education yeah. for every freaking facet of your business. You can delegate that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, yesterday I, I actually, well, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually talking with another coach and he was bragging on his social media manager and she's like 22, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he's like, he was telling me all the things that she was doing. And I was like, wow. So I had a conversation with her yesterday and I'm probably going to hire her to manage that for me. And I'm, I, I almost can't even imagine what it's going to be like to have somebody else working on that. Like, what am I going to do with all of my time? <laughs> well, I know what, you know, as if, well, right? Yeah, we're going to fill the know. vacuum with yes, well, other priorities because that's, right. that's how we do it. I love that we're having this conversation right now because just this week, I reconnected with a beloved former client of mine and I asked her what she's up to and she's doing all of this Pinterest marketing and was like, Annie, you got to get on Pinterest. And I use Pinterest for this very podcast, but like I put pins up. I don't really do anything elaborate. Mm -hmm. I haven't yeah. really tied it to a funnel or anything. So I was very intrigued by this. And I like social media and I love Pinterest. I plan my own wedding on Pinterest like mm -hmm. every other millennial on the planet. Like, come on. But so I was like, cool, I'll buy your program, but I'm not going to take it. I'm going to give it to my assistant to take. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I went through all 
the thought processes that you're saying. Like, no, it'd be more fun if I did it. It'd be quicker if I did it. Well, I'm going to have to learn it eventually, so I may as well learn it now. Until finally I was like, Annie, rein it in. Yeah. Give it to your creative director slash assistant. She's a whip smart social genius that is closer to her lane of genius than mine anyway. Sure. And I'm paying her. I would rather pay her to do quality work like learn stuff for me than Mm -hmm. drum up random other work. But I it was so hard to get me to release the reins before I delegated that. Why do you think we as solopreneurs or small business owners tend to be so freaking precious about each of our to-dos and and where does the idea come in that it all has to be on us all the time well i mean i think for a lot of high achieving people they're able to do a lot of different things and i also think that maybe that's where the drive to become an entrepreneur may come from maybe the drive and the courage Because, you know, I know for myself that I was a marketer during my corporate career. And, you know, as I'm a coach now, but um, I'm also a marketer because any entrepreneur is a marketer if they want to be profitable. And we're all salespeople too, by the way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I learned to do a lot of things during my career. And so, you know, I'll, I'll say to myself, like, well, oh, I have to, you know, design this sell sheet. Oh, I can do that. Right. Like you have the ability to do it. And so you just say, well, I'm going to do it. Um, But the reality is that we need to be, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, a way to think of it is to think of your energy as being within a budget. Right. And, and so are you just like going out and like, you know, making it rain on stupid things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or are you saying, I'm going to be selective? I want to, I only have so much energy. So I really want to invest my energy. And this goes back to the whole idea of leverage. I want to invest my energy so I get the biggest return on that energy. Um, because, you know, we can, and, you know, like what I was saying earlier about that little, you know, nagging feeling that I have in the back of my mind about like, oh, you really should set up that, you know, landing page and get the whole leave funnel set up. Listen, I don't want to do that. I, I worked in corporate for a long time. And I led marketing and I had people that I could just be like, hey, I got an idea, come in my office, you know, and then like, my idea in five minutes was being done by somebody else. You know, when you're a solopreneur, you don't have that opportunity, like right at your fingertips, but that opportunity exists. I mean, that's the beauty of the time that we're living in right now is that a few keystrokes in Google is going to give you a list of people around the world that are experts in the thing that you need help with. And I think having the discipline to say, you know what, that's not my wheelhouse. Could I do it? Yeah, I could probably figure out how to do it. But is that the best investment of this precious resource of my energy and attention? And the answer is, in many cases, no. So delegate it. Even if you don't have, even if you're a solopreneur, find somebody to delegate it to. 
you know, you brought up earlier two sites that I really love using for different things, but um, and they're also mentioned in the credits of this mm-hmm. very podcast. Uh, the theme song for this podcast was found by me, like created by me from a guy that I found on Fiverr named mm-hmm. Riley Horbacio, who is a wonderful, like 20 year old super genius who charged me a pittance on fiber mm-hmm. and delivered me this like golden earworm of beauty, which I yeah. freaking loved. And my show art was made by Francois Vigno, who I found on Upwork because I have a music degree. I could whip up a little ditty if I needed to. Would it be professional? No. Would it be an earworm? No. Would it be a reason to listen to the show just so you could hear that song again? Hell no. Same thing. <laughs> I could go on Canva. And I love Canva. I like making my own graphics to some degree. But when it comes time to make my own show art, I was like, yes, I would enjoy making my own show art. Would it be good, though? No. Yeah. No, it would not. And I I think that's so key also is like, just because something's enjoyable is another reason why we're like, well, but hold on, maybe I should bring in an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Because... What you said, I think, is so huge. And it's it's something that I myself talk about with clients all the time, which is that bank of energy, right? I'm always teaching my clients that there's more than one currency. There's more than just the currency of money. There's the currency of will. There's the currency of time, energy, trust, faith, freaking tons of it, right? Tons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when your energy is depleted, you may as well be out of money. Absolutely. And quite, quite frankly, like money is renewable. Um, Energy that you don't use, or, you know, time and energy that you don't use smartly in the moment is gone forever. You know, you can always get more money. Yep. You can't always get more focus. You can't always get more energy or time. You can never get more time. No, and certainly not focus. Right, right. Or flow or any of these things that really in those situations, those jobs that require that level of care, that level of focus, that level of flow, that level of innovation or creativity, those are the tasks that have to come from us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that actually focus is another leverage point. And, you know, again, I'll I'll kind of just refer to my own business, you know, as a coach, it's critical that I be present and I be prepared to listen to somebody that, you know, has, has problems or has um, challenges that they want to get help with, right? If I was like, if I allow myself to get so depleted that I'm coming in brain dead, like, what are they paying me a premium for, right? Like, that's not fair to them you know, I still have to run my business and I still have to focus on all of these other areas that are outside of service delivery, but I have to sort of cordon off enough energy or, you know, like protect myself from not getting sucked in so many directions that when it comes time for me to either, you know, be on zoom or a phone call with my client that they're not like, uh, are you okay? Yes. <laughs> are you listening? You know, yes. that's, that's the best way to, to lose a client is to be like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I spaced out there. <laughs> Especially know? in one-to-one situations. Yeah, And yeah, long-term exactly. client situations, like, 
Right. If I show up two degrees sadder than normal, first, they're concerned about me. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, Annie's fired because she wasn't on today. Before mm-hmm. that, they're like, are you okay, babe? Do you need a schedule? <laughs> Did someone die? And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm just having a, ah, sh- like, I can't, I then catch myself then. The second they're like, are you okay, babe? I'm like, pull mm-hmm. it together, girl. But I also look at like, no, I am a one woman business in terms of the brand. I have a great team backing me, but the client work is 100% me. I don't have okay. sub coaches. I don't have sub teachers. My program comes out of my head. My teaching comes out of my time. And if I squander that, doing Mm -hmm. stuff because I feel like I should or oh, it might be kind of fun or I don't want to delegate it for any number of reasons or Mm -hmm. I'm not delegating as a form of procrastination, which is also something I do. Yeah. Keep myself in those little tasks. Then, yes, my client work, my bread and butter and my zone of genius will suffer. And my client suffering is unacceptable to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I I think that is very important for, you know, whether it's a a business owner or, you know, somebody who's in a leadership position in corporate to recognize is to to really see their value. Because a lot of times people are humble and they're like, "Oh, well, you know, I'm not above doing this. Like, why should I delegate this? I why, you know, I don't want people to think that I think I'm too good for this." And I look at it like this way. If you had a thoroughbred horse that won the Kentucky Derby, would you take that horse and like attach a cart to it to, you know, like pick up your pumpkins in your garden? Like, no, you would not do that. That is not the highest value. That horse every moment. (laughs) It's not training or running getting hand brushed and loved and cared for in the way that most yogi, crunchy self-help gurus can only fantasize about. That horse is rested as intentionally as it is ran. Absolutely, because it needs to preserve its energy for its highest value work, which is running in the Triple Crown. Right. Or, you know, in the case, if it's one, if it's one, the Kentucky Derby, it's going on to funner, you know, stud work. <laughs> but still, they're still caring for it. Like he's still chilling out in the, you know, horse pasture yes. and getting brushed and, you know, ha- having, you know, he probably has a, a horse stall that's like bigger than a, a downtown Chicago apartment, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I have seen them and they are bigger than the typical Chicago apartment. I have lived in smaller, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think one of the things that you just said there, which is so interesting, is like, well, I don't want people to think that I'm above this work. Who's going to think that? The person you're paying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I am so guilty of that thought. And I apologize a lot of times when I delegate. Like, listen, I know that this isn't the most glamorous or fun job, but I realize I'm not saying that for Georgia's benefit. Hi, Georgia, by the way, I love you. Um, I'm not saying that for her because every single time she says something along the lines of, I'd be glad to do that for you. When do you want it by? I don't think it's ever occurred to her because I treat her with respect 
and gratitude on a daily basis that I am trying to only give her bitch work and delegate her all the crap I don't want because her time is invaluable. No, her time is lacking value compared to mine. I don't think she ever feels that way because I treat her with respect and I blow her up with gratitude every time she blinks in my direction. So why Mm -hmm. on earth do I feel the need to apologize for the help that she freely offers and that I pay for? What is that? Do you see that in people? What is that? Yeah, I absolutely see that in people. And in fact, I was working with a a client um, on it yesterday who has had her own business for like 20 years. And, you know, she sometimes has problems with people that are pretty junior, um, not, you know, sort of stepping up and doing their jobs. And I really think that partially it has to do with not being really clear about the expectations and not being very clear about the authority, right? If you're the boss, you're the boss. And I think that people that work with you actually want those clear boundaries. Like where's your job end and where does my job start? What do I have ownership over? You know, and I think sometimes when we um, may say like, oh, I feel bad that I'm delegating this to you. Well, first of all, like what we're doing is making that person feel like they might be excited for that project. Right. Right. And so you're sort of like demeaning the project right off the bat by saying like, well, I'm sorry, I'm giving this to you. I know it's kind of scut work. Well, they might be like, cool. I love this kind of work. Um, and, and quite frankly, if they do, that's a great person to have on your team because that means you have complementary skill sets and strengths. Um, but also, you know, as, as one of my colleagues used to say, sometimes you have to take out the trash to do the job. Like you have to do everything that's required to finish the job. And not every part of it is going to be the funnest part in the world, but you know, it's super satisfying when we get the result. And, you know, when we get that reward of like, hey, we met our goal. You know, we're not going to think about the fact that like, yeah, I had to take the trash out and it was cold and the trash kind of smelled, right? Like, it's just part of what has That's to be done. the cost of doing business. It's the nature of the game. Yeah, exactly. And and I think for people on the team to, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's kind to be like, well, I want to sort of like protect you from having to do like horrible things. But on the other hand, I, I don't think you do anybody a favor and especially, you know, people that are new in the, in the workforce by saying like, oh, I'm going to protect you from this part of the job that's not fun. Because then they start thinking like, oh, well, why do I have to do the scut work? Well, this is what's called paying dues. <laughs> you and know, also, I think about job. it's a job. That's right. That you need to, you know, provide value for the money that you get paid. Yeah. And they might be looking at all of these tasks as nothing more than. And that's not a bad thing either. Where you're like, hey, I'm sorry I'm giving you all of this work that's like beneath me and probably beneath you and da, 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 da. they may not number one like you said before they may not look at it negatively at all number two they may not look at it with any emotion at all because it's their job and they want right. to show up and they want to deliver what you ask for and that's it 
It's our insecurity that we put on them. It's our over empathy that we put on them. Yes. And I think it's freaking great that we're talking about this right now. This is an area worthy of examination if you find that you're doing this, because basically you're attaching your own negative feelings and thoughts about that. And sometimes it is, it's not, sometimes it's not even about the task. It's about us feeling like, am I worthy to direct this person? And guess what? If you're, the owner of the business, the answer to that is yes. Mm-hmm. So stop apologizing. You're the person that took the risk to start the business. You know, if somebody else doesn't like taking direction from you and they want to be the boss, it's completely within their own prerogative to go out and hang up their own shingle and take the risk and start their own business. And then they can tell other people what to do. And you can go back to Upwork and find someone that will be thrilled to take the work and excited to attach themselves to your stars. Yes, absolutely. Terry, I'm going to throw a curveball in here. And and during our pre-chat and when we were setting this up, um, this is a curveball tinged with some topical sadness. But what does any of this have to do with Jeopardy and the legacy of our dearly departed Alex Trebek? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I think that it's all about asking the right questions. Ooh. Ooh. I love that. Tell me more. Well, I think that a lot of times we may just by instinct or by, you know, habit, just do things. Right. And we don't say to ourselves, I mean, we may even be aware that we tend to self-sabotage or we, we may say like, oh, I always do that. Right. Um, and if we just try to make that change at the habit level, like, oh, I'm going to stop, you know, eating after eight o'clock at night. Right. That's that usually doesn't work. But if we get to the heart, if we say to ourselves, like, why do I do that? Like, underneath of all of this, what's the belief that I have that's causing me to apologize to someone when I am assigning work to them? You know, and, and if we say, like, what is it? Where does that come from? You know, and if we get to the heart of it, it might be like, oh, well, you know, um, my mom did that right? That my mom was always very, um, you know, uh, apologetic when she, when she asked us to do things around the house, right? So maybe we've absorbed that or we've modeled that after somebody that we know. But I think the other question that we have to ask ourselves is like, how is that serving us? Does that continue to serve us? Maybe when we were growing up, that if you weren't apologetic about saying, hey, mom, or hey, dad, can you help me? I'm sorry, I'm asking for this maybe we would have not gotten them to respond, right? So in in that case, that made sense, right? Because that was an appropriate coping mechanism. But a lot of times, you know, if you're running your own business or you're, you're an executive in the corporate world or a leader in the corporate world, and you're saying that you actually are undermining your own power by apologizing for using authority that is yours to use. So you know, just saying to yourself, apologizing for using authority that is yours to use. Ooh, 
Oof. Well, that's a great first question then. Or, or I mean, you've already given us some great questions, but that question is what authority is mine to use? Whatever you can get away with. <laughs> I love it. And let me tell you, like I, you know, I have been, I've had my own business for four years now, um, but I spent 30 years in the corporate world. And, you know, like a lot of women and some, some men, um, I kind of was waiting for somebody to say, this is the right way to do things. And, uh, you know, okay, you're trying to do things perfectly. And like, and I would think to myself, like, when's somebody going to notice that I'm doing some things perfectly, and they're going to like, pluck me out of the chorus line and make me the star, right? Like They're going to promote me to this high level. And what, what I realized was that nobody's ever going to come along and be like, here's the rule book with everything that you're allowed to do. Right. And, you know, sometimes I would actually even, you know, see somebody get promoted and be like, well, that's not fair because he's always late to meetings and he doesn't return emails and, and stuff like that. And then I, and then I would realize, well, he's focused on the right things. And, you know, going back to the leverage points, he or she, not just he, um, you know, they, they're saying like, where should I be investing my time to get the biggest return? Right. And they're, they're focused on what, you know, what is it going to take to get the attention of that next level person? And how am I going to build my case to go to them and say, like, look, you gave me this much resource and look what I did with it. Those and meanwhile, we're that- over here assuming that the rules of the promotion are the things that we've prioritized, which are responding to emails in a timely manner and showing up for meetings on time. We assume that those are the mm-hmm. rules of that promotion. And mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, exactly. they're not. Right. And, you know, and and like, I'm, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to stay till seven o'clock every night. Surely somebody's noticing and that guy leaves at 430 every day. Yeah. And the thing is, and, you know, going back to your question, like, well, you know, if he's getting everything done that he needs to get done and he's leaving at four 30 and he's not asking anyone, you know, that's okay. Like he's having an impact. It's not, you know, in, in many um, areas of work, it's not about, we're not making widgets, right. We're not on an assembly line, you know, putting a a bolt in a thing that's going by, you know, we are, are here to make an impact. And if we make that impact in five minutes or in five weeks, like actually which one of those is better, right? If you, if you make the, the impact in five minutes or five weeks, right? Obviously it's five minutes. That's a more valuable resource. If you can get that result quicker, right? Change them today, get them moving today, change their thinking today, reframe it today, bring about the action today, right? That's why in software, we talk about the minimum viable product, which we base mm-hmm. on what is the number one thing that people need to be doing and can we distill it down just to that one action, right? So that mm-hmm. again goes back to what actions are critical for me to be doing at this point and what rules no longer apply to this game. I love yeah, that. yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, going back to, you know, our beliefs, 
you know, sometimes, and I mean, I can tell you when I was a manager that sometimes people would come to me that, you know, that reported to me and they'd be like, well, I can't do it this way because, you know, I have to do this. And I was like, well, who told you you had to do that? I didn't oh, say well, you had this to do is that. Always, yeah, this is always the way that we've done. I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, if you cut out, you know, six steps that we don't need, I would prefer you do that. Yes. You know, I don't want you to go through like, wrote through everything. And it, it, it does make sense, you know, as an entrepreneur also to occasionally, you know, take a look at what are the steps that you're taking and are you still getting the return on the investment of your time there? Um, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier about getting up that learning curve. You know, when I first started my business, you know, there were there were things that made sense for me to met, invest my time in because I did need to learn it. You know, I needed to understand how maybe a, a certain platform worked. But once I understood that, it just made sense for me to say, I'm going to find somebody who, you know, I know enough to be dangerous. I'm just going to hand it off to them and have them work on this uh, because they're an expert in it. And, yes. and I'm an expert in coaching. And you paid your dues in it. You did it for yeah. a long time on your own. You're not mm -hmm. rushing through the learning curve by just getting off of it as quickly as possible. You spent your time mired in the muck. I used to do my own bookkeeping. I used to do mm -hmm. all of my own graphic design. I used to do, you know, list, 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 list. It goes mm -hmm. on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Now other people do that for me, but I still speak that language because I did learn it myself. But when it mm -hmm. became not the best use of my time, not the best use of my energy, and certainly not the best use of my brain power, then I knew mm -hmm. it was time to shake stuff up. I freaking love that. I have a question for you all about leverage points and the future for you. Okay? Okay. Picture this. Five years from now, final Jeopardy. <laughs> we don't know who the host is. That's not the question. We'll figure that out. There are the massive, massive shoes to fill here, right? But anyway, final Jeopardy. The answer is Terry McDougal. <laughs> what is the question? Uh, you know, the question is who is. A coach who is absolutely loving what she's doing, providing value for all of her clients and following her heart along a path that is fun and that she just really enjoys and that she's learning. Yes. I love that. I think the likelihood of that showing up on Final Jeopardy is slim, but the likelihood of that coming <laughs> even more true for you, Terry, is going to occur. Speaking of which, all those beautiful things you just said about your love, your trust, your fun in your work. If there are people out there right now looking to get the best out of the leverage points in them and their business, how do they start a conversation with you? They can find me at my website, which is terrybmcdougal.com. And I am also out on LinkedIn. And my handle on LinkedIn is terrybmcdougal. And that's B as in? Boy or Boyle. <laughs> my maiden name is Boyle. There you go. B as in Boyle. <laughs> 
Um, yes. Awesome. And tell us about some things that you have out in the world right now that people can go find. Well, I have a book that came out in April of 2020. So great timing for all of those, <laughs> uh, you know, book signing things. Oh, yeah, and that like book, book launch. went real well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, but um, my book is called Winning the Game of Work career happiness and success on your own terms. And there's a whole section on the leverage points in the book, but there's lots of other stuff, including I, I uh, interviewed 11 people, some who are in corporate, some who are entrepreneurs about their careers, because I think there's a lot of lessons to learn from other people's stories. So my book, Winning the Game of Work is available on Amazon worldwide. It's also available on Barnes and Noble and Kobo. I have also launched a podcast, which is called Marketing Mambo, and it is where I cha-cha chat with marketing movers and shakers from the world of marketing. Okay, and, can we uh, talk you know, about just... how fabulous that is? <laughs> we cha-cha chat. Come on. We cha-cha chat. Listeners, yes. if you're not listening to that right after this, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you. You better jump on over to those cha-cha chats. But first, I'll be back in just a minute with my final thought and your homework for the week. Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Annie. It was so much fun. Well, hey there, listeners. I was really hoping that I could make some grand reference to the Daily Double in today's homework. But the thing that I keep getting hung up on is that part where Terry said that we're apologizing for using authority that is ours to use. And so I just couldn't shake that idea and the question of what else are we apologizing for? And then I remembered this phone call. So I offer this service in which I listen to your most challenging, befuddling, and embarrassing sales calls to give you some shame-free notes. So I received a call from a client of mine, and I have permission to share, but in a 36-minute call, 36 minutes, my client apologized nine times, losing a little confidence each and every time. Now, this was a sales conversation when you really need your sales and your confidence to be at their very best. Nope, she apologized. She apologized for the client having technical issues, technical issues which were in no way her fault. She apologized for the client mishearing something. She apologized for choosing the start date of the program. Oh, I'm so sorry. You would have rather it started on on Tuesday. What? She apologized for not having read the book that the client mentioned on the call. Like, oh, you should read this book. I'm so sorry. I haven't read that. What? She apologized for needing to wrap up the free call in order to end on time. She apologized for talking about money, even though the client showed no indication that they didn't want to talk about money. She apologized again for the tech issue from over 20 minutes before. She apologized for sneezing. Nope, not excuse me, but I'm so sorry how unprofessional of me because she sneezed. And then the kicker, she apologized if she took up too much of her potential buyer's time after she got a big fat not now. But of course she got a not now. 
even though this is a woman who has a beautiful website, gorgeous testimonials, utterly devoted clients. This is a woman who knows her stuff and believes in the power of her work. But why on earth would a client know that all that belief is there under that casserole of, gee, I hope I'm not upsetting you. Please forgive me. And what is giving off is that, please, please pay attention to me just a little longer. I'm so sorry. I'm inconveniencing you energy. Well, the client didn't. Look, I'm not anti-apology. I went to 14 years of Catholic school, and those nuns assured that I love manners and abhor impoliteness. But this was not mannerly, and this was not about forgiveness. There was never even a single indication that the client was upset about anything. But there were pauses and objections and money on the line, so the client got uncomfortable, and she apologized. Your homework this week is to please, please, please be mindful of the sneaky apologies that are robbing your confidence. There is a galaxy of difference between arrogant, manipulative, braggy sales and unnecessary meekness. So this week, find your happy medium and apologize only when there is something to make right. Your client will thank and possibly even pay you for it. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.